If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 464. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like my Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube page. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com, or just go look for at Brian McClanahan, B-R-I-O-N. While you're there at my webpage, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by clicking on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You get a book plate on one of my books. I've got a new book out, The Jeffersonian Tradition. Make sure you pick that up. Also, Southern Scribblings. Great books, but I have a whole bunch of other books. I mean, so those book plates do come in handy if you want my autograph on one of them. Plus, we save that exchange problem where I got to send you a book and you send me all that. So it's just easier to go get a book plate. I just mail it to you with my autograph on it. You can also throw a few pennies my way if you want to support the show. You want to support the show that way. Also, McClanahan Academy is a great way. LearnTrueHistory.com, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Wizzleby Classroom. But, of course, the best way also to support the show is rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Share this podcast on social media. Let people know you like the podcast. Those are always great things to do. And that way, hey, if they think you're cool and you're listening to the show, well, then it's going to be cool for them to listen to it as well. So, got a great episode here. And last episode, we talked about Juneteenth. Today, we're going to talk about the... An article that appeared at MSNBC by Kevin Cruz, the notorious Princeton professor who was one of the biggest jerks in social media. And I say that because the man is so is so thin-skinned. He is a ridiculous hack. If you contest Kevin Cruz, he will block you. And... Um, I was blocked by Kevin Cruz years ago for simply asking him a question. Now, of course, I have the same PhD thingy he has. And anyone who does that, if you if he can't really make fun of you in a way, or if you're just going to be at a point where what you're doing, he can't really refute, he just blocks you. So he blocked me years ago. And so I blocked him just as a response. I mean, hell, if I can't, if I, he can't, I can't see his tweets, he can't see mine. So right, tit for tat. But uh, Cruz is, uh, is a snarky little jerk on social media. And he teaches at Princeton, so uh, he carries weight. And, of course, MSNBC, he's one of these other historians, the go-to historians for the left. Now, I want to read this article that he wrote today, or a couple of days ago, and I want to do this on this show because it, it highlights a point that I made in my debate with Michael Anton that uh, the response of, and catch up on that, I wrote a piece for Chronicles Magazine criticizing the 1776 Project because of its belief in the proposition nation. And my entire point about that, and it's something I make in, in my rebuttal to Michael Anton, who wrote a 6,000-word response. And in fact, what's really interesting about that response 
Michael Anton uses some language that Kevin Cruz uses in this piece to say, oh, well, does McClanahan really think this? And what's funny is this is what Kevin Cruz says. Now, the, um, the point I made is, look, if you're going to put your flag on that hill, the proposition nation, all you're doing is allowing the left to punch holes in your argument over and over and over again. You are creating a situation where you cannot win. You're fighting on their field. You're fighting on their terms. You're playing their game by their rules, and you're going to lose. And I think that Cruz does that in this particular piece. Because one of the things the, the conservatives have started to do is use Martin Luther King as a conservative. The man was nowhere near a conservative. Now, I think at some point the left is going to cancel King because of some of his salacious activities uh, that bordered on just the horrible. Um, but because they can't, they can't carry that anymore. I mean, if they're going to go fully woke, then they can't even accept, they won't be able to accept that. And no one really should accept what he was doing. If the FBI tapes were ever really listened to. But we got, but beside that, um, King is not the hill for conservatives to die on because he's not a conservative. He never has been a conservative, just like Lincoln wasn't a conservative, just like the proposition nation myth is not conservative. None of it's conservative. It's the left. That's the left's talking point. That's the left's game. And for years, it was known that. It was known that until Harry Jaffa wrote his famous essay on Lincoln as a conservative. And from that point forward, oh, we got to start thinking of Abraham Lincoln as a conservative. No, we don't, because he wasn't. Lincoln was nowhere near a conservative. In fact, you could say he was doing everything against conservatism, not the slavery issues outside of that. But everything else he was doing, he wasn't trying to conserve the Union. He was destroying it. He was destroying the Constitution by keeping a, a uh, geographical Union together. But in the process, he destroyed the original Constitution and recreated America. And that's why when Barack Obama stood up in 2009 and said, we're going to continue the process of remaking America, these people are open about it. This is what they want to do. Right, The left is open about wanting to recreate America. And they say it, if you just listen to them, and they say it on the same terms that conservatives are supposedly saying, we're going to conserve America. How can you do that? How can you conserve America on the same terms the left is using to destroy it? Because they're both not conservative. You can't use, and Michael Anton does. They all, well... Well, let's just look at Martin Luther King as are you advocating this position of conservative. No, it wasn't. I mean, and I think Cruz points that out. Look, King flirted with, with communism. Paul Gottfried has written a wonderful essay over at, uh, I think it was Intellectual Takeout, where he just blasts this whole idea of King as conservative. You can't do it. But yet, the right tries. And why do they try to do this? Because they think it shields them from being called a racist or some other horrible name. But you know what's going to happen? When somebody brought up to Kevin Cruz that I had written something and I was critical of, there was a, there was a debate on social media, and he said, well, I block racists. I mean, how can anybody say that anything I've ever done is racist? But, I mean, that's what they're going to do anyways. I don't say anything that's racist at all. But this is what they do. They're going to call you the names anyways. So by saying that, well, we're going to shield ourselves by saying King was one of our guys, well, they're, it's not like they're going to they're gonna ever not call you that. I mean, so it, it makes the term laughable 
what we need to do is just say, look, you're so stupid by even saying this. It's an anti-intellectual term. It has no meaning anymore. It's anti-intellectual. It's an appeal to emotion. By doing that, by Cruz or the left or any of these people calling somebody a racist, it's an emotional, well, I don't want to be these. So these people are bad. It's an emotional, not an intellectual argument. Because if you actually looked at what I do and say, well, you, you can't say anything like that, right? It, just, it, gets, it gives them a pass. It's a wave of the hand. Oh, I'll just go away. You're just this. It gives them a pass. So we need to start calling them out for that. Now, the, the conservatives who run around trying to appeal to these people it's never going to work. You never uh, a conservative like Ron DeSantis or you know somebody in, in Florida governor or something, whoever we're talking about, some Republican politician is never going to appeal to Kevin Cruz because Kevin Cruz will never think anything of you other than that you're a racist. He'll, he'll never think of it in any other way, in any other term, unless you go completely to his side. Then you're not a racist. But see, until then, you are, right? So this is the issue. And Cruz always punches holes in the Republican arguments. It's when Dinesh D'Souza stands up and says, there weren't any Republican slaveholders. Well, sure there were. There were a lot of them. And Cruz and all the Twitter historians went out and found this stuff. And, I mean, it's well known. But, see, he's a, D'Souza is low-hanging fruit because he's not really an intellectual. Uh, he runs around trying to be one. And, I mean, he's, he's a smart guy, but he just doesn't know history very well. I, I would say that, particularly 19th century American history, and that's because they're all distorted by this proposition nation myth. And R's equal good and D's equal bad. That's the, that's the big thing they get caught up in, too. If we can just say Republicans are the good guys and have always been the good guys and Democrats are the bad guys, they've always been the bad guys, well, that makes our side win. We can just get that happening. Then all the minorities for Democrats would then vote Republican. Well, that's not going to happen either because the Republican Party is not going to uh, promote the things that these populations want, well, then they're not going to win. Just by saying, hey, look, Republican Lincoln was our guy. You should vote for us. Well, that doesn't mean anything if you're not going to support policies they want, right? Whatever population we're talking about. It could be this group, that group. I mean, we, we play this out now. Identity politics, everyone uh, is a group. We're identifying as groups. We're not something else. So this is the issue. Now, I want to get into this piece with Kevin Cruz. Texas ban on critical race theory in schools proves the GOP still doesn't understand MLK's message. Now remember, I said, this is the problem. They're using MLK, they're using Martin Luther King, and it just doesn't work. Texas this week became the latest state to ban the teaching of critical race theory. The author of the bill, Republican States, Rep uh, Republican Steve Toth, has insisted that the measure was in wholly in keeping with the vision of Martin Luther King Jr. So here's a conservative saying, we're teaching King. It echoes Dr. King's wish that we should judge the people of the, on the content of their character, not the color of their skin, Toth told the reporter this month. This talking point is apparently the new Republican orthodoxy. At a campaign rally last year, then-President Donald Trump claimed that critical race theory is a Marxist doctrine that rejects the vision of Martin Luther King Jr. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis likewise asserted that critical race theory was basically teaching kids to hate our country and to hate each other based on race, adding... It puts race as the most important thing. I want content of character to be the most important thing. Making such comments, Republican officials re reveal that they don't really understand critical race theory and don't really understand Martin Luther King Jr. either. So see, here you go. This is Let's create a garden of heroes and put all these leftist people in it, and that will mean that the left is going to like us, that they're going to somehow, we're going to create this coalition of normal people, 
and that aren't you know woke critical race theory and aren't you know some radical on the other side and we're going to create we're going we're going to have this unified America but the, see that doesn't work because the left won't ever agree with it now i do agree that a lot of times republicans don't really understand critical theory because you just put race in the middle but it's critical theory is what we're talking about here there's oppressor and there's oppressed and i'm going to talk about this with canada in a, in a podcast tomorrow. But there's oppressor and there's oppressed. And so if you're the oppressor, it doesn't matter. I mean, it could be applied to anything. It could be economics. It could be race. It could be gender. It could be anything. You're the oppressor. So then there's oppressor and oppressed. And critical race theory gets into the belief that there was oppressors and oppressed. And that just happens to be that white Americans were using structures, systems to oppress others, which leads to systemic racism. That's the whole point. So because these systems were there, that's systemic. Despite the moral panic from conservative politicians that it was designed with kids in mind, critical race theory has largely been limited to law schools and advanced graduate programs. So I wouldn't say they're not very advanced. They're, I mean, that's an that's a oxymoron, advanced graduate programs. As many joked on social media, yeah, many joked. All of Kevin Cruz's little sycophants joked, but not really anybody that matters. If your kids are really being taught critical race theory, you should be proud they're in law school. Well, no, no, uh, because we see what happens. We've seen evidence of this all over the place that we are having a different type of racism being taught at K through 12 programs across America. See, this is Cruz trying to be snarky when he's really not that funny and he's not that accurate here either. He's just showing himself to be stupid. Moreover, far from stressing that race is the most important thing, critical race theory challenges the idea that race is a thing at all. It's a construct, you see. This is what they get. Race is a construct. Race is just a construct. This is this is where the I mean, this is. You see this now, and he's right about this. Critical race theory does believe in a construct, but there are oppressors and oppressed, and because the oppressors are of this construct and the oppressed are of this construct, then this is w- what gets into. It starts with the premise that there are no there is no biological or scientific justification for racial categories, and that race was a socially constructed invention. A fiction, but one that's nevertheless been written into our laws and legislation. Those who work on critical race theory are baffled by the seemingly deliberate mischaracterizations of their work. Kimberly Crenshaw, the noted law professor at UCLA in Columbia and a pioneering scholar in the field, scholar, should be in quotes, dismissed Trump's and DeSantis' specific claims as false and slanderous. As she explained in a recent interview, critical race theory just says, let's pay attention to what has happened in this country and how... And what has happened in this country is continuing to create differential outcomes so we can become the country that we say we are. Now, here is the point, right? We say we are. In other words, we can become the country of the proposition nation where all men are created equal, of equity. You see, it's two sides of the same coin. The right is saying the conservatives who push this are saying we've always been this. We have this here. We've, yeah, we've made mistakes, but it's all been here. Look, the mistakes really are from the South. But we've got good Northerners who, who uh, you know, want to do these things and change stuff around. We've got good Americans. So, But the South was causing the problems. We really believe in these things. And the other side of the coin is the critical race theory people, the, the 1619 Project people, all of that, who are basically saying, no, 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 we had this proposition, but we never lived up to it, ever, ever. None of these people are good. They're all bad. And so until we can start over in many different ways, and I'll talk about this, we can start over, we can recreate America. America is structurally bad. 
It's bad because you had bad people involved in it. Now, you see, if you're the conservative people and you start saying, well, no, we've always been good. Look at these state constitutions that included this in their Declaration of Rights. But then at the same time, in 1818, as Connecticut does that, they pass a law barring blacks from voting. So, I mean, what's it going to be? Right? So if you're going to believe the proposition nation nonsense, then the left is going to win that game every single time. Every single time. Contrary to Republican cries that the scholarship is un-American, Crenshaw asserts that critical race theory is, is not anti-patriotic. In fact, it is more patriotic than those who are opposed to it because we believe in the 13th and the 14th and 15th Amendment, Crenshaw says. We believe in the promises of equality, and we know we can't get there if we can't confront and talk honestly about inequality. You see? This is something that Anton said to me. Well, you're saying by default that maybe Nicole Hannah-Jones is more patriotic than the 1619 people, I'm sorry, than the 1776 people? Well, I mean, if you read her essay, she says, look, black Americans have been more dedicated to this idea of equality than anybody else. And we'll talk about this with the U.S. flag but in, in another episode. But, I mean, I'm just going by what she says. You see, Crenshaw is saying we are the patriots because we firmly believe in this, whereas all these other people did not believe in it. They're just kind of using it. The holes are being punched in the 1776 narrative because it is not conservative. This is my point. And any conservative that runs around with this kind of nonsense is setting themselves up to fail. The real principle of the Declaration was independence. It's in the first sentence when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. That's in the first sentence. It's about independence. It's also in the last paragraph. We have free and independent states. That second paragraph, in many ways irrelevant, it's simply Jefferson pointing out that we've had some bad things going on here. And that one line, as I point out, was downplayed over and over again. But you see, the left capitalizes on it because they think that becomes the important part of the Declaration. That's National Independence Day, right? Forget about the actual Independence Day because that celebrates, as they said, we're talking about that's political independence. We want independence of something else. Talking honestly about inequality, it turns out, was a special point of emphasis for Martin Luther King Jr. He devoted a considerable amount of his activism and authorship doing it. But the limited knowledge that Trump, DeSantis, and Toth all have of King's work apparently begins and ends with that one line about character. To appreciate this reality and see how wrong those are who see MLK and critical race theory as diametrically opposed, look no further than two iconic moments that the Texas law encourages teachers to use. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail, and I have a dream speech. So see, the Texas law is saying, well, here's what we need to do. We need to go and read these things. This is the 1776 project. It's all over it. It's all over conservatives, quote-unquote conservatives, and what they're trying to do. And so here's Kevin Cruz saying, all right, well, I'm going to punch a hole right in that. It's not conservative. And they're just going to use it to their advantage. You see? In his landmark address at the March on Washington in August 1963, King did, not, did note his hope that one day his children would be judged by the character, not the color of their skin. 
but that was only one line in a more nuanced address. More important, while King looked ahead to that day, his vision remained firmly fixed on the realities of racism and discrimination in his own time. He devoted the bulk of his address to identifying and articulating them. King chronicled the ways African Americans face systemic patterns of discrimination and inequality, from the unspeakable horrors of police brutality to the discriminatory public and private policies that put African Americans on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. So see, King was really just fighting against systemic racism. If you use this speech as a conservative conservatives want to, I mean, yeah, they can take that cherry pick that line. That's I, I do agree with them. This is really all anybody knows about King is saying this. If you really look into King, King was not a conservative in any way. And I agree with Cruz here that King would have looked uh, far different. Looked, I think he probably would have been on board with a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. We've come here today, King patiently explained again, to dramatize a shameful condition. In his famous letter from a Birmingham jail, which he wrote four months before the March on Washington, King had already sounded out these same things in greater length. The letter, which was King's response to chiding from moderate white ministers, patiently explained the first basic step in his activism was the collection of the facts to determine whether injustices exist. Asserting that privileged groups, this is his quote, this is King's words, privileged groups fail to see how others often lack the same privileges and therefore dismiss their complaints, King rattled off for them and us a litany of the systemic and structural inequalities that face African Americans, including police brutality, voting discrimination, an unequal economy that locked the vast majority of our of your 20 million Negro brothers smolder, smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society. So was that systemic, or is this, is this because the structure was there? To, the, the main question I have for all of this, is this really systemic, or is it because of the laws that were passed by people who were simply just doing these things? But is the structure is the structure of American government colorblind, or is it just these are what people were doing? Notably, King spent a great deal of letter outlining how the unjust law, which he defined as a code that a numerical or power majority group compels a minority group to obey but does not make binding on itself, worked to prop up those racial and economic inequalities. The racist intent or racial impact of such legislation might not be overt. King noted, sometimes a law is just on its face, he wrote, an unjust in its application. So, I mean, this could be flipped on its head for the, for the 1619 critical race theory people because these are things they're still trying to do. They're trying to work the system. To, it's all about power. They want to be at the head of the table and not at the bottom, which is understandable. This is how it all works in society. If you're not at the top of the table, you want to be at the top of the You want to be at the head of the table, right? That's where you want to be. You don't want to be not at the head of the table, that's where you want to sit. And so if you can gain power in any way to do it, you're going to do it. And I think underlying all of this stuff, critical race theory is simply a way to foist a Marxist vision of America on America, even though we've already got a lot of that anyways. But it's a way to simply carry forward the process. You use an emotional appeal, which race is an emotional appeal. Nobody likes to see people in modern society abused because of their race. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see somebody abused because of their male or female. Nobody wants to see these things. So you use an emotional appeal, and then you use that to gain power. Notably, King spent a great deal of letter outlining how the unjust law, which he defined as a code, code that a numerical or power majority group— I just said this. Civil rights activists like King adopted the word demonstrations to characterize their protests because they sought to demonstrate the realities of segregation and discrimination in undeniable terms. In the letter, King explained that he sought to expose the hypocrisies in Jim Crow laws and demonstrate the inequalities they obscured. 
We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive, he wrote. We bring it into the open, where it can be seen and dealt with, like a boil that can never be cured so long as it is covered up, but must be opened with all its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light. And justice must be exposed with all the tensions its exposure creates to the light of human conscience and the air of national opinion before it can be cured. King's summons to identify and illuminate the racial, economic, and political inequalities in American life counter runs counter to the conservative culture war against critical race theory and related publications like the 1619 Project. So here it is. Um, these things run counter to the conservative culture war against critical race theory. So conservatives are anti-king, with conservatives trying to run around saying we are king. And, of course, he says, full disclosure, I'm writing a chapter in this new book coming up on the 1619 Project. Well, of course he is. Of course he is, because he is the one of the poster children for the left's Twitter historian brigade. Of course he's going to be writing that. Politicians like Trump, DeSantis, and Toth are certainly welcome to believe that we should not, in fact, acknowledge the deep roots of racism in American society and how that shaped the nation around us, but they shouldn't invoke the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. when they do so. At the very least, they should follow their own recommendations and study what the civil rights icon actually wrote and actually said. It seems they might be in for an education of their own. You see, because I am just here to educate people. Because I am Kevin Cruz. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is the thing, right? Cruz, uh, Cruz, Kevin Cruz is punching holes in the conservative argument. And I've said this is what, this is what they're doing. They're opening themselves up for this. They shouldn't even go along with it. The conservative cause should be the Constitution. And tell me, tell me where in the Constitution it allows for the general government to get involved in any of this stuff. Now, the states can. And I think that, you know, Texas and Florida are doing perfectly within their own. I mean, they, they can ban anything they want in schools in Texas and Florida. Cruz is more than welcome to say what they, where he thinks they're wrong in doing it or that they're misinterpreting something. But this really is a state issue. Education is a state issue, whether Cruz likes it or not. And I think that's the um, that is the point, right? Um, and I did this. DeSantis is going out and saying, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take this at the state level." I was even critical of how they f structured it there, and I said, "This is we're we're creating a proposition nation myth that the left is gonna punch holes in every single time." And here is a nice example of how that's being done by Kevin Cruz. Either you're going to believe in the proposition nation or you're not going to believe in the proposition nation. Either you're going to see, I mean, all that the right would have to do is acknowledge, yeah, I mean, certainly these things, people did these things wrong. People failed in this. Certainly they did. Uh, and But the real principle of conservatism is federalism. Um, it is liberty. These are things we should be talking about. And everybody can enjoy that. Everybody can enjoy liberty. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you fall in the political spectrum. It doesn't matter what your race is or male. Everybody can enjoy liberty. And if we're committed to that, then that's a step forward. Anyways, I thought this piece was interesting because, again, example of what I talked about would happen should we continue down this road of 1776 Project and uh, should we continue down this road of of a conservatives invoking King and others, this is what you're going to get. There's no question about it. All right.
So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then.